Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 102 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels here from Sandusky, Ohio, and I am thrilled that you're listening. In this episode, an interview that I conducted late in July, I had the great pleasure to sit down with Carolyn Cummings of the Sydney Morning Herald. Now, before we dive into the episode, I wanted to remind that you remind you that you can find everything related to the podcast at ayankonthefooty.com. And don't forget that uh, if you want to help out the show, you can do that by visiting my Buy Me a Coffee page or checking out the Redbubble store page, also on my website. One last other little piece of business uh, that I want to get to. In the top toolbar on my website, I've added a new tab up there that says Register as a Guest. And if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast or if you know somebody that you think would be a great guest, you want to send the link to the website to them or fill it out yourself, that'd be absolutely fantastic. I'd love to get you on the show and uh, talk some footy with you here in the very near future. I did have one gentleman reach out to me last week. It's only been up for about a week. Uh, like I said, I'm always looking for interesting people to, uh, to come onto the show and talk about the game that we love. Now, today's club of the episode is the Mar- Marubra Saints from the Sydney area, and they are a club that's been around since the year 2000, so they're a relatively young club. And it's kind of interesting because they are a parent-run community club, and they have the goal, as it states on their website, uh, they have the goal that every player gets an equal opportunity to play and to have fun, up you know, regardless of their ability. So it's basically it's about developing the game. And the Saints play their games at either Heffron Park in Marubra or at Pioneers Oval in Malabar. And they've got several clubs from ages 5 up through 18, and their alumni include uh, Swan's uh, player, Errol Golden. And what was really neat is I was doing a little bit of research on the club. Uh, I did find that he had posted a video just last week on their Instagram page wishing the, the, the kids best, of, uh, best wishes because their season had been shut down while the Swans were off still playing finals up through last week. And I came across, across this club by chance, and I'd been you know, f- beginning to follow clubs on Instagram and that sort of thing. And I actually ran across this one, like I said, by chance uh, last evening as I was going through my Twitter thread. And I saw a, uh, a post last evening from uh, economist and author Tim Harcourt. And he put out a post that was in support of Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody in light of some of the things that have, uh, that have happened to him recently in social media. And he was talking uh, about how his club... Um, the club that his son plays for, um, you know, is very accepting and that his club loves wearing, you know, the black, red, and white of their uniforms. Uh, and it really resonated with me. So Mr. Harcourt, thanks a bunch for putting that post out there. And it's an absolute pleasure to give your favorite club shout out. Again, you can, uh, go ahead and find, uh, all the information about that club on the show notes, uh, this episode, they'll be right up at the top of the show notes there. And uh, I hope they're able to get their season back up and running. Probably not this year, but next year I hope it goes like gangbusters for them. So enough talk. Let's jump into my discussion with uh, the passionate Swan supporters, Carolyn Cummins. A lot of fun. Uh, if you're somebody who's into journalism as well, we got into that a little bit. Some, just some absolutely fascinating insight for her, from her, and I think you're going to like it. So let's go ahead and dive right in, ladies and gents. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by my guest this evening. Uh, we've talked Swans footy on and off on Twitter for the last year or so. And, well, in the present climate, she's able to sit down for a chat because well, she doesn't have anywhere else to go right now. Uh, 
Carolyn Cummins is the commercial property editor at the Sydney Morning Herald. She's also a Swans Club ambassador and the ninth female full member of the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which I want to learn about because I'm not sure what that means. I'd like to welcome Carolyn Cummings to the podcast. Carolyn, thanks for coming on this evening. It's so glad to have you on here. It's a pleasure, Craig. Thanks for reaching out. I'm, I'm very excited to have a chat. This is, this is going to be fun. It's, uh, you know, it's at a uh, point in time of the, the year. This is going to be a much better conversation than when we kind of initially started talking about this last year when the Swans were struggling, you know, last year with some injuries. And, you know, if it was like a ride in an amusement park that, you, you know, if you were over this height, you weren't allowed to play with the Swans last year because it seemed like all of their talls were hurt last year. Uh, <laughs> but this year they're having a remarkable turnaround, a great season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have you here. You. I mentioned you're, you're a club ambassador for the Swans. Can, you know, for those of us who were here in the States and uh, those of you that may not know, what is it that a club ambassador does to help out the, uh, to help out the club? Oh, thanks. It, it's a very, um, very honoured role. I was very honoured. I was about five years ago, I was um, asked by uh, the chairman of the Sydney Swans, um, uh, Andrew Pridham, if I'd like to be an ambassador and I jumped at the chance and it, it really is, is I do have a very fancy scarf that says uh, Swans ambassador on it, but I also, um, it, it's to promote the club. There's 150 of us, uh, all, all walks of life, all different, um, you know, some are, some are actors and actresses, some are singers, other people like myself in the business world and, and I'm, I'm a journalist. Uh, it's to, to use our, so-called standing in, in, in society in a way is to, pr to promote the game, to promote the club. Um, one of the biggest things and the proudest things I did, but a very sad moment was when Adam Goods was, you know, the terrible booing of mm -hmm. Pearl Goodsy. And at the Herald, we got together and we did a big wraparound with uh, uh, getting to all, all ambassadors and to all our, our fans out there and people we knew to say, we stand with Adam. And I initiated that at the Herald, and um, we—that was the day actually came out when he didn't play, and um, when we all stood up at the uh, seventh minute of the third quarter and cheered and clapped him, but he wasn't there sadly. Right, uh, right. So that was—it's that sort of thing—is to promote the club. It's to—it's—it's um, um, it, it's not an official. We don't have a job description per se that mm -hmm. say we have to do it, but. When I started seeing a lot more tweets popping up last year talking about AFL and somebody, I think, tweeted, it's like rugby and soccer. So I felt it was my obligation to come out and say, uh, no, <laughs> it isn't <laughs> anything like those two games. And and to help promote the game and also to help promote the club at any any opportunity we can. And um, And my grandfather did play for South Melbourne. So there's a bit of family history there as well. And I have been a very dedicated um, fan for, you know, many, many years. So you said your grandfather played with them. Um, and I actually, I, I pulled up and I've got up on the, the screen here, uh, an article from back in 2016, where, you know, the remembering how the legend of the bloods was born. Can you, can you take us through that? Cause uh, it, I, I was reading through that again last night and it, you know, the whole story about the socks and everything there. And uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was great, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was funny actually, because working at the, at the Sydney Morning Herald, of course, is in Sydney and, and AFL is very much a, a Melbourne game. And when 
the Swans got into the final, certainly in 20, 2005, when I went down to Melbourne, if the Melbourne teams, if the Melbourne media, sorry, public doesn't have a Melbourne team in it, they, they convert one. So all of a sudden, Sydney Swans were back to being South Melbourne uh -huh. against West Coast. And we're saying, no, but we're Sydney. They go, oh, no, no, you're South Melbourne. So in 2016, after we won the 2012, etc., I uh, was walking around the office in red and white. And one of my, the sports editor at the time, who's a Collingwood supporter said, and my colleagues call me CC, and she came up, she said, now CC, I defy you to be able to wear red and white for five days. I said, really, is this a problem? <laughs> and so on the fourth day, and there's a tradition in the grand final week that one gets one scarf and, and festoons one's desk at work. And that uh -huh. means putting the scarf over the laptop and the uh -huh. screen and the monitor and everything. So I had much red and white. And in Sydney, everyone's just walking around like I was an idiot, thinking that I was just going for the St George Dragons in Sydney or something. In Melbourne, I would be one of a million, but in Sydney, I stood out. Right. Anyway, the, the editor came up and he said, what's with the red and the white? What are you carrying on about? So I said, well, my grandpa played. So he said, write a story about it. So I did. <laughs> Good deal. So... so where do the, where do the bloods come? Where does that name come from? Well, my grandma told me, and my grandpa years ago told me, um, but I was very young. He he said to me one day when they were went to the nineteen eighteen grand final. Back in the day, South Melbourne was a very um, a very working class. It was almost like it was around the ports. Around the the um, South Melbourne was sort of a very um, um, sort of waterfront kind of mm -hmm. area. And so to play football was a big deal because it sort of the whole suburb went out. But it was also very Anglo-Saxon and very Catholic, mm -hmm. pretty much. So they all would go to church on Sunday morning and the priest, Paddy, said, to be sure, to be sure. I And, the, and back in the, the day when they played, they had jumpers with the red sash. Uh -huh. like Richmond and Essendon. And he said to the congregation, and next Saturday, I bless you, you bloodstained angels, to come home with the flag. So that's... There's where it came from. That's where it came from. Okay. That's what Grandpa told me. Oh. And then Grandma rolled her eyes and she said, oh, those days I sat there out in that windy, horrible lakeside oval, <laughs> knitting your damn socks, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> And well, I have 12 cousins, most of whom weren't that interested and don't really follow. Diff My favourite cousin who passed away, sadly, this year, he was mad Richmond supporter and one's Essendon and two were St Kilda. And, but I always loved Grandpa, so I went South Melbourne, uh -huh. even though my entire family are Collingwood supporters. And so when I moved to Sydney, it was a no-brainer to follow the Swans. But, um, but I sat down and Grandma told me, I said, what do you mean? She said, well, we got all the different wool. We were given red and white wool and we had to go and sit there like dutiful girlfriends and fiancés and wives and knit their socks. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's been interesting this year because, you know, since the Swans have kind of been displaced with the lockdowns and such, uh, or I've seen a couple of the games where they've been playing in Victoria where some people have broken out 
the South Melbourne signs in the stands. The cheer, yes. I've seen the cheer squad with this, and I didn't, you know, I, you know, I had to go back and, and kind of look at that, that article that I'd linked to a while back and, and realize that that's where that was coming from because it, you know, it hadn't really registered with me that that was, that that foundation was there mm. before they'd gone to Sydney. I had to go back and dig that up again and, and read into mm. that a little bit more. So it, it's, it's great to see that people are still, you know, kind of working, you know, of course they're not going to the games in Melbourne right now either, but uh, it was great for a couple of weeks to see the, the Swan supporters, you know, coming back out to support their club yeah, where oh, they definitely. Were I mean, from. It's, it is it was founded in 1874, so it's one of the oldest mm-hmm. um, clubs to form in Melbourne, or one of the you know, and one of the first. But it, but again, being in that sort of demographic area, bear in mind there wasn't much else to do back in 1896 or so. Right, or right. 1909 or 1918, there was a lot of wars and things. So to to go out and watch a football game was, as I say, the the whole town's a bit like those sort of you know the American movies where the the, the steel town boy makes good and he mm. escapes the steel town and you know wasn't Tom Cruise in one of those movies? <laughs> All the right moves, yes. All the right moves, and uh-huh. it's the same thing. If your son played for the team, that's what the entire neighbourhood looked forward to for the mm-hmm. whole week because there wasn't much else really happening back then. Yeah, and it, go ahead. I'm and it, it brought the sorry, I was going to say, it just brought the whole community together. And with South Melbourne, particularly being it, it pretty much was disappearing until Jeffrey Edelston, who also passed away this year, the colourful Dr. Jeffrey Edelston, he saw that you could bring AFL to Sydney, which in itself was a big thing to do because it's a, Sydney didn't want to know anything about AFL being a rugby town, mm-hmm. um, but. South Melbourne would have died. The whole the, the lakeside oval, the, the club rooms were pretty much disappearing or disappeared by then. They went to Rack and Ruin. South Melbourne probably won one game in two, 20 years or something. So, and there's no cash. And AFL didn't have cash. It was something you played on the weekend. You had to go work. It was a depression, all those sorts of things. Um, they just didn't have the cash to keep the teams going. So it pretty much was a, a team like Footscray and Fitzroy, which became the Brisbane Lions, were going to disappear if they didn't get cash to help them. So it's also an emotional thing that, that the Swans became, they came to the Sydney Swans, but South Melbourne is, is a club that is one of the eldest that got saved. Right, right. And I, and it's, it's interesting. And I actually forgot to ask this uh a couple of weeks ago when I talked to Frank Davis, uh, who played for the Hawks and then was uh, the recruiting coordinator for the D, uh, played for the D's and was the recruiting coordinator for the Hawks. Mm. But I, w- I was able to dig up that there was actually a time where they were talking about Hawthorne and Melbourne merging together as well. Yeah. And I, oh, had, yeah. I saw a YouTube video where somebody had, did, had done a mock-up of what their, their Guernseys would have looked like. And they were actually pretty sharp because they kind of incorporated the, they, they looked a lot like, um, Fremantle's Guernseys, but with Gold Coast colors. Yeah, uh, it, was, it yes. was kind of an interesting combination that they, you know, because they borrowed from both clubs there. So it's good yes. that they were that they were able to, you know, that they're still able to 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 be, um, you know, independent clubs. But you know, the Swans have certainly grabbed a foothold in Sydney. I mean, they're they're they seem mm. to be rather well supported there now. 
Yes, yes. Well, again, it, it took many, many years. I mean, I used to come, I moved up to Sydney in 1988 and used to go to a game and I think it was me and the coach and three others were sitting there. <laughs> And it was pretty grim. <laughs> there was they'd be lucky to get um I don't know, ten five thousand people if on a yeah. on a actually that's a very good day. I worked at, at Channel Nine at the time, so I knew Mike Willisey and he took me along to a game one day and, and QBE was a, a very long term sponsor and they invited me to a game and um and I told them about Grand Pop, etc. And um they they just really it was just desultory we lost you know Warwick it was all a bit rah-rah and the pom-poms and Jeffrey Edelson if you have a look at him we had pink helicopters and swanettes and it was all too much for AFL aficionados who thought a typical Sydney was all a bit glam and glitzy never mm-hmm. going to work and it was awful and it really wasn't until the mid 90s 1996 when we got into the grand final ironically John Wanmai couldn't play because he hurt his knee um that the Swans all of a sudden this it, it became popular and it also got a bit of the corporate a bit more corporate money into it and it right. became a bit of a um they did the marketing very well and got sort of people in for drinks on a Friday night to watch it and it sort of built a bit of momentum and also it got also it they did it very well. They started hitting schools. And ex Melbourne, a lot of Melburnians live in Sydney. And all of a sudden they realized that their kids could start playing AFL at school because it's a less contact sport than say rugby. Mm-hmm. So it just built slow momentum. But when Paul Ruse said we've been waiting for this cup since 1933, here it is. I mean, Sydney's been wait we've been waiting for it since we got here. And to right, win right. in 2005 was just, we hit the top of the mountain. So is that, and we arrived. is the 2005 grand final, is that your greatest memory as, as a? Oh, most definitely, yes. Okay. Yeah, as, okay. as a, yes, yes, I oh, definitely. I've been to a lot in Melbourne. I was very lucky to go with, with my dad. Yeah. Live there. Um, but that was, that was just so good. It was just so emotional because it was against, it really was one of those against the odds thing. It was a bit rocky. It hit the top of the steps, <laughs> <laughs> and it was and it was la da 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 da. Yes. <laughs> and also, and it was also to the naysayers. You know, like don't write us off as aerial ping pong, as and all the anti people in Melbourne still hate Sydney football, really to a certain extent. There are some people in Melbourne that think. AFL should stop at, say, the Albury-Wodonga border um, and not go any further. So it was just all those things mounting up. But it took a long, long time for Sydney to really gain any recognition and any fan base. Um, but finally, again, winners are grinners, you see. You start yeah. winning, people turn up. You start losing, they won't turn up. I'm, I'm guessing that those that some of those people that, that think the game should stop at that border and I'm not, I'm not going to repeat that term because I don't think I actually caught it. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again. Um, <laughs> are, are some, do you think some of those people who think the game should stop there are also the same ones that are uh, kind of dug in against the AFLW? Yes, yeah. To a certain extent, I think, um, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Yes, I, I'd say yes in in that they don't like change. Okay. Okay. And 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 I and also there's again a lot of rivalry. The Sydney Melbourne rivalry. I think I've lived in London and I've sort of followed world events. I don't really know if there's anything quite like it in any other country in the world where it's just so fit. Maybe Scotland, England, perhaps. But Sydney and Melbourne, it's only an hour's flight. It's one of the mm -hmm. busiest flight routes in the world. But there is just so much rivalry. Yeah. And they're sort of such different towns. Melbourne's a very night city, more English influences, you know, you meet somebody in Melbourne, they say, where did you go to school? Mm -hmm. You meet somebody in Sydney, they say, what's your house price worth? You know, so, <laughs> okay. So it's a very, there's a great play called Emerald City, which shows up Sydney's very glitz and glamour and it's the harbour and it's, mm -hmm. it's Sydney's from LA, Melbourne's a bit more New York, if I could put it that way. Sydney's got the weather, Melbourne's just got the culture in a way. That's, so a, that's, I think that's that, a really good way of putting it because I, yes. I I was going to suggest uh, the the kind of the rivalry between uh, New York and Boston, but since you described the uh, yeah, the school the school the school and the house price, and that the L.A. New York analogy, I think might work better. Actually, that's that's not yeah, a bad one. I think, yes, and I, and I think Sydney, we are a bit more north, a bit more subtropical. We're warmer, mm -hmm. and there's also so much. There's more to do in Sydney on a on a summer on a winter's day in Sydney. It can still be. <coughs> I mean, 20 degrees Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. which is quite pleasant in the sun. They mean 20 Celsius. I, 20 Celsius, sorry. Okay. Uh, 20, no, 20 Celsius, sorry, yes. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe in Alaska, 20 Fahrenheit's no, quite warm. <laughs> now, now the scarf is making more sense. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's chilly tonight. <laughs> but um, you can edit a bit out. But oh, um, that's, that's great, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it it's... To get people to go to a football game in Mel in Sydney, where you can either go walking around the harbour, you can do ten other different ten things. Whereas Melbourne, where it's wet and cold, and I grew up in Melbourne, wet and cold, you just go to the footy. So you be you're beating you're competing against the attitude that AFL is not a Sydney game, and also from Melbourne point of view, it's all glitz and glamour and it's silly. And what would you all know about AFL anyway? Whereas this is our town, this is our sport, and you people interstate don't know what you're talking about. And but, and it's the same for Brisbane, Fitzroy, Brisbane. And certainly Gold Coast, if anybody went to the and games. Gold Coast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and West Coast. Uh -huh. See, West, West Coast, Gold Coast, Adelaide Crows, and Sydney, uh, uh, well, a little less Sydney, what they call the manufactured games. They're, right, right. They're, they're players on their last couple of seasons, they've sort of created a game, plonked them somewhere else and created a new club. Mm -hmm. And the, the old state establishment don't like it. Yeah. Well, that, that's that, that's that, as you said, it's all about the change. It's about the change. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, an upstart like West Coast or an upstart like the Adelaide Crows or an upstart like the Swannies. Mm -hmm. In the hallowed grand final, I mean, it's like what? Well, and didn't Brisbane do it three years in a row? If I'm not mistaken, did it three years in a row, which yeah. drove people in Melbourne insane. I bet it. I, it had to. It had to. But it's uh, you know, I yeah, I'm a I'm a Cleveland sports fan, and we've uh, we we 
the Cleveland Browns won a championship when I was a year old and the Cavaliers won, I think, four or five years ago, and that's been it. And you're like the D's. That yeah. could, be, could be the D's this year. I think the D's are looking very good. They are. So I was actually, I, I was going to ask you a little bit later on, but I'll go ahead and ask you this now then. So who were the Swans playing in the grand final this year? Oh, well, it could be Melbourne, Sydney. <laughs> there you go. Fingers crossed. <laughs> that would well, be good, actually. Well, a Melbourne, Sydney game would be really yeah. good because, uh, again, up the 2016, um, the Western Bulldogs and the Bulldogs, so Footscray, formerly Footscray, mm -hmm. and if any of your listeners, there's a fantastic documentary called The Year, the, the Year of the Dogs and it's a documentary about how Footscray almost went under and how the whole sort of suburb of Footscray rallied around and they interviewed the ladies that washed all the team's jumpers in the sort of 80s and 90s when, again, that club was on its last legs uh -huh. and cut up the oranges and made the sandwiches and did all these sorts of things to keep the club going, knitted their socks, all these things. <laughs> And finally, they got a bit of corporate support and they, they became the Western Bulldogs, but they had to merge with a couple of VFL teams to, right, right. to get the cash in. Um, so, yes, I think, it, um, I think it's great that we've all survived and we're now thriving. Yes, it, and, and, and they are. And, it's, uh, and it's, it's great to see the game, you know, growing as it is. And, you know, there's talk now about the, possibility of a club in Tasmania and you know then but that would be 19 teams and how do you figure out the right. schedule and you, you know do you figure out a 20th team somewhere or do you do you move an existing team to Tasmania and keep it at 18 you know it's uh yeah, it's yes, all yeah. about it's all about whose ox is going to get gored here you know I think so and, yeah. I th and I think nowadays it look the Swans did it in what, 1985 it was a lot easier back then it was a lot cheaper you didn't have physios and marketing people mm -hmm. and the entourage was just you and the trainer and a tube of deep heat pretty much you know in a nice bucket or a nice pack yes and that was pretty much the whole team but now you've got so much it's a business mm -hmm. and it's very hard to create a business from scratch to make it viable and invest a return in two years which is what an, what an investor would want Right, you're going right. to back a new team as a sponsor. It's almost like creating a super league, a, a super a team of sort of super players, and that's not good. That's what Rupert Murdoch tried to do back here many years ago in rugby league, and that didn't that got squashed pretty quickly. Okay, because you can't just create a team that's going to win the grand final for the next twenty years because that's just not a competition. Yeah, and, and because there's such history steeped into AFL, it's very hard to, to move those pillars. To, to, there's still people behind the scenes that will just block it and will stop it instantly. So I think to create a new team, you need a big, deep pocket and you, you need to have that support to start with. Okay. As, you know, as in, a, you've got to get a, a, um, a, a fan base. Right, to know right. That if you go to, say if you go to Tassie, you've got to know that people will turn up because the sponsor wants to put money in. They don't want to go to an empty ground. And you've got to have a, a, a fixture that will get 
rotate good teams around mm-hmm. to come down there. And Tassie's a long, it's, it's not that, it's a long way. Right, you know, right. It might look small on the map, but it's not, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not that easy to fly to and for a lunchtime gig. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and you can, you can almost look at that at, uh, at the Crosstown Rivals with the Giants who have had some, yeah. they've had some success playing, but, you know, they do not, you know, from what I have gathered, they do not have a significantly large fan base. No, no, because rugby league is very strong in mm-hmm. the West. It's a lot stronger than Sydney also went to the East where it's not as strong. There's the Sydney Roosters, but it, it's, not a, it's, it's not a heartland. Mm-hmm. The West is very much more of a heartland of rugby league. It's entrenched in there. In those in those suburbs more, so to to infiltrate a, a new code, and is and it's still seen as a Melbourne code, into something that's foreign territory, it takes a long time. I mean, as I say, it took the Swans twenty years. So right, right, and we encourage the Giants, and we encourage Crosstown rivalry because it's great to get players there. And there's, I mean. The, the thing that frustrates a lot of the AFL too is that Sydney has the academy, which a lot of the a lot of other teams can do, but we've done it. And we're creating the players like Heaney's and Rampies and even Kieran Jack to a certain extent. They played and, and another guy, Robert Lewis Thompson, back in the day, LRT. Um, and that irritates some people that they think we're getting an edge. But but so the Giants have got a big of a pool to to work with that they used to, the Swans ever did. So there's a lot more younger players out the West playing AFL because they're not billed as a rugby player. Mm-hmm. If you're a tall, skinny kid that can run, you're not going to play rugby. No, no, you're going to get snapped in half. You get snapped in half. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 run, you run the other way. <laughs> yeah, if, if your legs look like tree trunks, you're playing, you're going to play rugby. Play if you're... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're yeah, if you're 195 centimeters and uh, you know 105 yeah. kilos, you're you're playing yeah. you're playing footy. You're you're a key forward. Yeah, it's totally. uh, exactly. <laughs> so, if you have a neck, you're playing footy. If you don't have a neck, you play rugby. <laughs> that <what> I- <laughs> that right there, I think that might be the little snippet of of audio that I put in the in the thing that I post online right there. That's a great oh, okay. line, that's a great line right there. <laughs> So that's a very, that's gonna, a very Aussie, that's a very <laughs> Aussie flippant line. Sorry, <laughs> I, I've never heard that one before. So, oh, there you go. I'm, yeah. I'm going to ask you, uh, uh, who is the second greatest player that you've ever seen play? Because I think I know who the first one would be, and he's still playing. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong on that one, but I think oh, I, okay. I, I, the the se- well, the second greatest would have to be Tony Plugger Lockett. Okay. Okay. I was there when he kicked his 1300th at the G, um, which was brilliant. Um, look, Adam Goods. Yeah. He was, a, he was a treat to watch when he played. Mickey O, Michael O'Loughlin, he was a cracking player. Um, of the current players, obviously, Isaac Heaney and, and Rampy and people like Luke Parker, they're brilliant as a Swans player. I mean, my dad always said James Hurd was one of the best players he's ever seen play um, from Essendon. 
Mm-hmm. And I have seen Hurdy play, and he was very good. Like he was brilliant. Um, and um, oh, over the years, gosh. You know, it's yeah. funny. It's funny. You you haven't mentioned the one that I thought would have been the number one on your list. Oh, buddy. Yeah, that's that's that's, oh, yeah. Oh, that's why I, I mentioned. Say, that's why no, I mentioned number, second. You said, Sorry, you said well, I'm talking second. Yeah, so I'm that's why I thought Buddy was the first. Yeah, so. no, Buddy was. Yeah, no, Buddy, Buddy's good. Yeah, Buddy's good. So you are also the the ninth female full member of the Melbourne Cricket Grounds. I I have no. First of all, I have no idea what it means to be a member of the Melbourne Cricket Grounds. So I'd love to hear about that and and. The significance of their only, when you, when you got this position, only being the ninth female to do that, you know, uh-huh. can you can you tell us about why that was why that yes. was and why that is so significant? Because yes, yeah. Well, to, to start off, it's the Melbourne Cricket Club. Cricket Club. I'm sorry. The, that's okay. It's the MCC, which is the trust of the MCG, which is the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Um, really, again, uh, I would love to have a fantastic story behind this, but quite by default, back in the day, my father was a member of the Melbourne Cricket Club, as his father was, and and to get in there, it was Grandpop got in and and put my father's name down at birth, a bit like Lords in England, Marlborough okay. Cricket Club in England. So one's name gets put down at birth, and then one and it, very much the son of the son of the son. The boys and the boys, and in 1984, when the AFL decided that maybe this game needs to grow and perhaps, who would know, play at night under lights, mm-hmm. here's a crazy thought. So the Melbourne Cricket Club and there's a Melbourne Cricket Ground Trust. So the trustees of the ground. And the Premier at the time, a man called John Kane, said to full voting members, okay, and full voting members always had a ladies' ticket that came with the, with the membership. So they said to the men, we want to build lights because I think at some point in the next few years we're going to play a game at night. Mm-hmm. Crazy as it might seem, but we put big lights up. Maybe people will come and watch it at night. So... They said to the men, if you want to use your ladies' membership pass and convert that into a provisional membership for anybody in your family at a cost of, which I think was, maybe it was about like, oh, I don't know, maybe $500 back then, 1984, I think it was, 83, we will do so. So I just started work and Dad said to me, right, give us your best shot. And I said, I'll give you my money for the next 50 years. I'll iron all your shirts. I'll do everything I can. <laughs> so we went halves because a lot of money back then when I was still at uni and, you know, working part-time. So we did. So I became a provisional member of the Melbourne Cricket Club. And I had great pride walking to my first MCG using my ticket to get in. And all the men were grumbling that women, outrageous, in the members bar and um i was working for a newspaper at the time cadet at the, at the, at the new australian financial review and i took great pride in walking there one night 
but then they realized that the, the, the lights that they had were pretty minimal. So they had to be built big, build bigger ones. So a year or so later, they said to provisional members, if you wish to stump up a bit more cash, which is a lot more cash, mm -hmm. you will become a full voting member. You will jump the queue of the men of, of, of which, you know, my brother was 35 at the time and still wasn't a member. So I jumped the queue and became a full voting member with a bit of cash. And um, so I walked into the long room, which is the hallowed turf of the long room and ordered a gin and tonic. And I think it was like parting the Red Sea. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only five foot two. And it was like grumble, 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 grumble of all men. <laughs> and did you kind of just point outside and say, see those yeah. lights? Yeah. I, hel I helped do that. I helped do no, that, just... exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> Give me another gin and tonic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so that's it. So, it's a, but I'm very, very proud. It's it's a one, most wonderful thing, and I'm I treasure it. So, so how how is lockdown going for you? Is it? Uh, if, have yes, you adjusted to it? Well, I think we got through last year okay mm -hmm. because I think it was this will all pass in a couple of weeks. And then it didn't. And it was really, I'm still busy at work. So it was just more, it was just annoying working from home. It was like a very, very long weekend. I was like, oh, working from home again today. But then, you know, it got real. And we were in very lockdown. And that, but we were okay in Sydney because we're still allowed out to walk around and do a bit of shopping. And, you know, the, the great run of blue paper debate. Um, which we lived through, which we still, which everyone's still back. I think the world is still scratching their head about that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I mentioned that to somebody that uh, I, I think that 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 whole debate was actually started by the uh, the people that run Coles and Aldi's and the other grocery stores in in Australia and the ones here in the United States because I think they started that whole panic because. When you went there, you know, and if you were going to try to just hoard hoard paper, you went in and thought, well, you know what? I don't want to look like I'm doing just that, so I'll also go buy another bunch of other things at the grocery. So it was just a way for them to make more money, I think. That's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think people just panicked. Yeah. I think they saw the trolley in front of them has 60 rolls. So if they've got 60 rolls, I won't have any, so I better get 60 rolls. And off it went. But they're... Think but they were they were packaging them that way though it I wasn't know. you know it wasn't you know it wasn't going and buying you know there weren't just necessarily four packs there were packs as you said with yeah. 20 rolls 50 rolls that sort of thing so yeah. you know you're oh, buying know. you're buying one package it just it just looks the optics yeah. of it are you know, <laughs> are, I, know. Well, yeah. I was last year at my local um, supermarket and somebody did that and they Somebody said you can't, you don't need all that. And this lady got very upset, and they were trying to take it out of her trolley. And there was mm -hmm. trolleys being bashed, and it was was on for young and old. And I live in an area that's a bit of old, older demographic um, area, and um, so it was quite funny watching people. That's a bit housewives area, Beverly Hills yeah. housewives area, <laughs> and it was quite funny watching them all getting their nails broken by scratching toilet paper at each other. But. You know, it was very <laughs> It was all very silly. 
but no, look, it's okay. It's it's. I think we're it's wearing thin. Um, are you okay? It's it's starting yep. to wear thin. Um, I think we're I think we're talking off air, but we're all getting frustrated here. Right, right. We survived. Um, you know, Australia survived the worst of it. We didn't have as many deaths, thankfully. We we sort of we did the lockdown pretty quickly. But we're on our knees. The airline industry, Qantas is about to offload a lot more people, sadly. There are a lot of people hurting. Tourism here, our hotels are, are empty. Um, just people are out of work. We've had a lot of government assistance last uh-huh. year, but it's finished this time around. It's, um, and, and unfortunately in Australia, we're very disparate states. So we're probably different in a in a way to New York in a way to America where you don't have defined states in a way you don't shut borders to each other whereas we do yeah we I I can't, I can't recall that ever actually happening yeah no it's not like you're not allowed to fly from Boston to New York as right, an example right. where we can't you you get what I said before Albury and Madonga is the Sydney Victorian border. And it's literally a bridge over a river. Okay. And so there's police on either side of the bridge saying you can't go there. It's huh. just crazy. And it's a very town where you go, but I work over the bridge there and you can't go there. So it's crazy. Everyone's upset. People can't get to their jobs. And it, and it's just killing domestic tourism in a country which has got no international tourism because we are at the end of the earth. Um, it is it is very difficult, and it's causing havoc for the AFL, of course. Yeah, it, and and well, that's you know kind of the subject of this of this podcast. That's you know that still is you know that is in many ways minuscule compared to all of the other issues. Oh yeah. yeah. However, there's a lot of lot of a, a lot of friends of my Swans lost their jobs. There's a right. huge the AFL is a massive employer. Mm-hmm. I mean, clubs, as I was saying before, footy clubs now. Are companies they're big business and it's not just on the field there's there's a trainer per player there's buddy's probably got no end of people around him not just physios and everything else but marketing people and and to, to look after him you know mental health experts there's chefs there's this mm-hmm. there's that so they've all lost their jobs right right and, and that's and that's this is 18 teams. I mean, that's multiplied. And then the AFL itself is a big business and they've all made been redundant. So they're all, the Swans are running on thin air at the moment. Uh-huh. I mean, as John Longmire said, you know, in last uh, Metricon last Saturday or last Sunday night, three players got kept in quarantine because they went to a, a game in Melbourne. Yeah, they went to, what was it? Uh, uh, France was there for a, a test match. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the Wallabies versus France. It, it, and then Amy Stadium instantly it, overnight got turned into what it, they call a tier one in Melbourne. So there's a COVID case. So they had to isolate, and that was like two hours before the game started. So they had to rejig the whole team and bring in a few extra players um, from the reserves. And that's happening everywhere. That's just right. not the swans. So it is, but I know a lot of people have lost their jobs at, at at the footy club. Yeah, and that's you know that's, it's bad, and they probably will not come back. And that's sadly. unfortunate. That's that that is the 
definitely the one of the big downsides of this. But um, very much, very much. Have, have you have you seen any positives that have come out of the lockdown? Is anything that you've that's been kind of like a glimmer of hope that's come out of it? Well, I think I think on the whole we're all sticking together. I think there's a lot of people are, are you know, looking after each other. Um, you get sort of random texts from friends saying you're okay, you know, you know, you're hanging in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sort of social media. I'm not big on the, you know, Twitter, Facebook kind of thing. I don't, you know, I don't tweet a lot. Or, but you you get more messages from people saying what's happening and how you're doing and we'll catch up when this happens, when, when this is over. Um, I unfortunately, in, in Australia, I don't know if it's a, a UK, US word, but I fell over. We call it a stack. I stacked. I had a okay. massive stack and I broke my wrist. I fractured my wrist. I fell over in the street and we call mm-hmm. it a stack. And oh, like along the edge, the curb, along the edge of the... Well, yes, I, I don't... Okay. Uh, yes, pretty much. Okay. I, well... I was walking down the, well, I was running down the street to the train and fell over something, either my feet or a bit of concrete or something. Anyway, I fell on my right wrist and fractured it and had a plate put in. So I, I'm, I've got a bit of a Dame Rampy hand now. <laughs> well, my, Michael Jackson is no longer using his gloves, so you're more than welcome to use well, it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all okay now. It's all good. But, but um, I, um, and, and again, sort of people rallied around, whereas normally you'd sort of go, oh, that's no good. You sort of get people actually making me bowls of lasagna and sticking at my front door. And, and so I think we're, we're kind of, we are all in this together. And we, so I think the positive is it's showing us to be more em, em, empathetic with people, you know, show, show a bit more um, empathy. If people are doing it tough, just don't dismiss it as a bit of a wind. That's that's that is a good thing. If if and hopefully and hopefully that can carry on once this is all resolved as well. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that can hopefully that will continue. That sometimes does. Yeah, but we shall see. So I remember I just as so I remember years on that note years ago when we had the Sydney Olympics, which was mm-hmm. just the best ever experience, even beats the Swans winning the grand final. And we just was such a fantastic two weeks. And the day after the the flame went out and it all finished, we're all been feeling a bit flat. And they had a sort of a ticker tape parade down the street for all. Australia invented the volunteers. The Sydney Olympics was when the big volunteer movement started of people saying, get the bus here and get the train there and fix your ticket up. And and we 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 invented this new volunteer movement. Mm-hmm. That uh, Juan Antonio Samaranch said was the best Olympics ever, and we all went up to the street, George Street, the main street in Sydney, to watch the ticker tape parade to to thank to thank the volunteers. <laughs> People were hustling and bustling and shoving each other out of the way, and I turned around to someone and said, "Well, that spirit's gone pretty quick." <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. So, so I'm sure once the lockdown ends. <laughs> Well, it may go a little bit, <laughs> but I hope not. You know, my uh, we have a we have an organization at the school where I teach, where it's it's like this uh, this kindness organization, and, and we've got dozens of kids every day that 
show up at school wearing shirts that say choose kind on them. Some maybe maybe they need to start, you know, printing those up uh, there and just kind of leaving <laughs> them at locations for people to pick up and, and wear for when this is all done, you know. Yes, like the, yes. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's the Aussie spirit. We kind of do it. We 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 are a country that rallies. I think mm-hmm. I think when you see pictures of bushfires and floods and we do have extreme weather here. Um, and we, we really are a country that does just stops dead in the street. I fell over in the street and I had four people help me help me. I'm sure that would happen in, in the world, but you don't know. I lived in London and I'm not sure if people might just push you out of the way. I don't know. Well, in New, in New York, that might happen. Probably would, uh, you know, yeah, people are busy. Yeah. You know, it's a, but we are a very, we're, we're a smaller country. So we are very much a country that looks after each other. That's which not, makes me very proud. That's not a bad thing at all. A bad that's thing. But not, we also do take the mickey out of each other. <laughs> that's not so bad either. It, it's it's kind of not like you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, when you have this when you have siblings that uh you know, you are you are allowed to give your siblings a hard time, but as soon as somebody that's outside of that sibling group starts to give one of your siblings a hard time, you all rally together. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. It's, yes. uh, yeah. So <laughs> you are the commercial business editor for probably the biggest, one of the biggest newspapers in the entire country, the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, and you don't start out as an editor. That's something you work towards doing. So Correct. can you tell us yes, a little bit I'm... about your, your time as a reporter and how you work your way up to becoming an oh. editor? Yes. Oh, thank you. I'm the commercial property editor. Um, oh, I, I, I started. That's okay. <laughs> no, my my very first job was down at the stock exchange in Melbourne and um, the trading floor, where I had all the chalkies running up and down on the chalkboards, and I loved it so much. And I ended up getting a job at the Financial Review in Melbourne and wrote about the share market reports and things, and um, ended up in Sydney working for um, the Australian newspaper, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, which is our national newspaper here. And I was, uh, they ended up being the business correspondent for the Australian in London for a couple of years where I went to, um, it was quite interesting going to press conferences. I had name tag would say Carolyn Cummins, the Australian. And and people thought that I was it. Sorry, you, you were the you were the, to, you were the token Australian. The, I was the Australian, and this is like mid nineties when Rupert Murdoch, who owned the Australian, wasn't that popular. So I would, and I people would go, oh, "Well, who who's the Australian? What are you it?" And I said, "No, it's it's a Murdoch paper," and they'd run off then. <laughs> and I'd have to yell to them saying, "It's like the Times, it's like the New York, it's like the Times." <laughs> so it was a. But I had the great fortune of going to the World Economic Forum in Davos, reporting on that. And I had the very, very great fortune amongst other people of being in a news conference at two in the morning with Nelson Mandela. Oh, very cool. And um, he, yeah, he gave the address with um, F.W. de Klerk. That it was a 1992 in Davos was a reconciliation. So all it was all the 13 USSR people were there. Yeltsin and Gorbachev and um, and his very posh um, 
Davos is a very, <clears throat> pardon me, Davos is a very posh uh, ski resort in Switzerland. And it's, you know, the World Economic Forum's there. And um, so we, at the end of his very, very long session, which sort of finished the whole thing, the um, in the media area, they said, Mr. Mandela will have a press conference now if you wish to um, interview him. So we all went into this room and there was me and about four others. It was very, very late. A lot of people had to go and just go to bed. Uh-huh. And um, where I was living at a very cheapy pension up the back end of Davos, um, which would have taken me seven hours to walk through knee-deep snow to get to. And the Fraulein shut the door at about 10 anyway. <laughs> I was with a colleague from Australia from the Financial Review, and so I bunked in, in his, his room. Anyway, we're sitting there going, oh, my God, it's Nelson Mandela. What do we say? And we're, there's, there's probably about 10 of us in the room, and there's my colleague and I looked at each other, and we put our hands up and said, do you think South Africa should be allowed back in the World Cup cricket? And he said, no. So we got a world scoop. That was pretty exciting. Wow. That, that's, uh... that was pretty exciting. So, yeah. That... Um, yeah. So I, 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 had... I, yeah, I tried to find the copy, but my newspaper, I had it in London and it didn't come back to Australia yeah. with me in the box. And But it happened. I, I We asked the question and he answered it. And he said, until I'm allowed to vote, until black people are allowed to vote, South Africa cricket should not, the embargo should be there. Apartheid, you know, should be, it should stop it. So that was pretty cool. That That is, that's amazing. That's and cool. it's, yeah, very much so. And I, I, I didn't think we were going to be traveling down that avenue, but that, that, no, the fact sorry, that you got to, no, 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 that's, no, that is, that is wonderful. That's, uh, that is, uh, that's pretty uh, that, proud I was going to say that kind of, gets into the, uh, you know, I was going to say, what's the most important story you, you've you ever covered? And I don't know if that qualifies as that, but that's... Uh, yes, know, but... well, it was one of the big ones, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, just as a, so I came back from London in, in, in and got a, offered a job at the Sydney Morning Herald. And um, I've been there 26 years in June. <laughs> so I'm giving my age away here, but... Um, yeah, so, and I started off, I'm, I'm a business journalist and um, pretty much the mid sort of 90s, <clears throat> a lot of the, um, or late 90s, a lot of what they used to call listed property trusts and companies were starting to sort of merge and be buy assets. Mm-hmm. A lot of like supermarkets, pardon me, a lot of, sort of, a lot of companies own their own big buildings and supermarkets own the supermarkets and banks own their own property. And when the sort of late 90s, when expansion was looking to happen and business was starting to boom post, you know, the, the early 90s recessions, etc., things were on the up, the, the companies needed money to, to do this and they couldn't just keep going to their shareholders at the stock exchange and doing share issues because that dilutes the share register. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the finance directors who looked after the property would all of a sudden said, you know, went up to the CEO and said, you know, you're sitting on $5 million of property here. 
We don't have to own this building. Because all companies back in the day had their own building with their own signs on the top and it uh -huh. was a status symbol. And they said we could sell it to a trust and we just lease it back. And it's a whole lot cheaper. And all of a sudden this cash is, is let off the balance sheet for us to use. So the property trusts all created that way. REITs they're now called. That was a creation of a REIT. And so the REIT owns the property. The company leases it back from the REIT. So it takes all that cash off the balance sheet, which is sort of idle cash, really. That's sort of like equity in your own home. Uh -huh. You know, if you can tap into that equity of your own home, you, you may as well. And um, so I sort of cottoned on to this one day and said to my boss, you know, this is quite a big story. And he said, well, you should write about it. And you should keep writing about it. And we'll call you the commercial property editor. There you go. <laughs> I went, okay. <laughs> there you go. So, you, so you've got a so whole... So I kind of fell into that one too. <laughs> and, that's, and that's been going on for, for quite some time. And it's... And it's quite uh... some time. That's how I met Andrew Pridham, who was the number one um, advisor for... Frank Lowy in in commercial property in the country. That it's it's amazing that the avenues that you know that one thing leads to another and 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 how you know that because that, that that comes back around to the whole uh, you know being one of the uh, the ambassadors there as well. So if you if you were and I and I'm asking this question not for myself because I'm not changing careers, but I, I know there are a few people who are going to be listening here. To this one in particular, but if, if what advice would you have for somebody who is a journalism student in the 21st century? I think it is a fantastic job. I mean, clearly newspapers are disappearing, sadly. So the the print version of the job, I think, will go. I mean, I I hate to say it, but probably the next 10 years, possibly maybe 50, there is a place for newspapers. But I think it is it is a fantastic job. There is always the need to investigate and to get the stories out there, to keep people honest. And my the, the, the favourite part of the job for me is you get to meet so many different people and no day is the same. There's not that Groundhog Day you don't you don't earn the big cash, so don't go into journalism for the money, unless you go into TV perhaps. But it is a vocation; it's it's not a job. You have to be dedicated to it. You're always on call. You're always on 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 the lookout for a story. Randomly, you might go to the football and somebody says something, and I think, well, gee, that's a good story. I'll follow that mm -hmm. up on Monday. And but every day is different. It's it's not a job that you wake up and go, oh God, I've got to do those accounts again. Oh God, I've you know I've got to do that interminable meeting again. It's the phone. The minute the phone rings, it could change your life. So is this where is this where I remind myself that I've been a school teacher for twenty seven years? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. But that's that's different every day too. I mean, I, I you, you know what? Job, you're right. In a, in a way, it is. There's, different there's, every day. There's a you lot know, of, you, you know, the personalities and such. Absolutely. Yes. Totally. You, know, you might have one teenage dirtbag one day and you uh, might have 10 the next. <laughs> there you go. But you don't, you, you, you might get a question, Mr. Wessels. And you yeah. go, well, I didn't hear that question. I've never heard that question before, mm -hmm. which might go off in a different tangent. That's, I think, that's a great but point. I think, 
you're you're in my job a vocation jobs you know they're not mm-hmm. the big paying corporate world of lawyers and merchant bankers and in, mm-hmm. you know that sort of things um and that's a whole different world that i couldn't do i, I find it's just very um you know cold it's a very cold world but yeah, it's- um, you know i look as a as a journalist a student hang in there there it's online it'll clearly online for the next you know newspapers will exist but it doesn't matter it's the same principle newspaper print or or online it's the same principle of how you write the story how you get the story and and just being in interested in people and interested in in you know we're not all going to be the investigative you know, Woodstein and Bernstein, Woodward and Bernstein. Not all of us are going to break Watergate. Right, right. Um, but if you, we all, you know, I've been, I'm the only female commercial property in the country for many years. Um, you know, and it's fascinating. Every day is a fascinating day, of, particularly now with lockdown. What does it mean for the land, office landlords? I mean, do we go back to an office? Yeah, that's that's a great point too because you could, you know, businesses may be seeing that they can survive with their workforce working from home. Yeah, and that yeah. may I mean, that may need that may lead to a whole different avenue of what you know what's going on with you know commercial property and it, and, yeah. and people may be left you know holding lots of, of empty buildings possibly. That's I mean, look, Sydney is you know not the most bustling of cbds on the planet but it's you know for our little part of the world it's pretty big it's empty mm-hmm. i mean right now it's empty right right but i i suspect even even before we went into this lockdown what four weeks ago um my office i'd say we're 60 percent full i think this everyone's pretty much embraced i think we work three days at the office two days at home um some less, some more. So I think so. That's you know that's a that's a new evolution of how do you, how do you make an office um, in, efficient in this sort of climate? I mean, do we, we go back whenever we go back? We've got a lot of empty space around me, but people there are. I mean, I work with people, and there's a guy who wore a mask every day even before this all happened, mm-hmm. and we used to say. You know, and he was quite upset by it. If none of us sanitised our hands and he would wash his keyboard down every day, and he was the only one that used it, but he was really quite concerned about it, which people are. Mm-hmm. Others a bit more flippant, like me, perhaps. But, um, yeah. but again, like I'm not going to wear a mask to work, but he did. So you don't you forget that people don't want to go back to an office. They are really quite concerned about yeah. things. And, and that then flows into all the cafes in office towers, all the coffee shops and the cafes and the sandwich shops mm-hmm. and all those little nook and cranny shops in the city CBD, all empty and may never come back. Right, right. So it's, this this has been a, This has been a huge shift, um, you know, all over all over the world. This is, yeah, it's, it's not something that's isolated to the US or to Australia. This is... This is oh, happening. No. This is happening oh, everywhere, and yeah, uh, you know. I, I look. I think a year ago, the Ruby Princess turned up on our doorstep uh, in Australia, the cruise ship, mm-hmm. um, 
when it kind of all started, but we all thought it was a bit of a flu thing. You know, this flu thing, it'll come and go. We you know, you just get a bit sick, you'll be fine. Nobody in their wildest dreams would have thought it would come to this. And a year later, I mean, I think we we haven't gone down the herd mentality that perhaps the UK has, um, or even perhaps parts of the US, I mean, parts of the world. I mean, we again, Australia and New Zealand are quite the isolated right, down right. Under us. Um, and being a smaller population, deaths are bigger here. It's, you know, we don't have the bazillion population of overseas, mm -hmm. obviously. Even though the Australian continent is pretty much the same size as the North American continent. Right, right. Um, that was, as an aside, that was one of the funniest things. When we had the Sydney Olympics, we had some um, overseas press in our building and they were writing stories about, well, you could go to Ayers Rock for lunch, then you could pop down to the Barossa Valley for afternoon tea and then pop over to Sydney for the close, for the opening ceremony. And we said to the, there was a guy in our built in the office, we went over and we said, can we just show you a map? Of what you're actually saying. Yeah, you need a fighter jet to be able to do that to cover that distance. <laughs> I said, do you have a, do you have a Concorde? <laughs> <laughs> but they had, like, people still have no concept of what it's like to travel in this country. Mm -hmm. I mean, 90% of it's uninhabitable. There's a huge, great desert in the middle of it all. So it, it's, you know, even though we're the same size, we're just a smaller population because we all hug the coast, obviously. Right, um, right. So I look, it's tough. I think it's very tough. And I think it'll take a long, long time for this one to recover because I think we um, do, you know, we look at different. We, we're, Sydney tends to look at the people that are infectious in the community, which right now is 50 people, which doesn't mm -hmm. sound much, but it's, you know, people keep going, visiting each other and giving it to each other, and that's the hard part to get through to people. So so for commercial property, all the shopping centres are dead, all the big shopping malls. Westfield is a big shopping mall over here, um, which is big in America. The big W, the big red W, um, empty. I mean, those tenants won't survive at all. I mean, the you know, department stores, will department stores survive anymore? You know, does, does people want to go? Do you want to walk through Saks Fifth Avenue with a whole bunch of other people? Well, and as you said, this is kind of, this is kind of, you know, an extension because this then will, will trickle down from, yes, the, you know, the, the headquarters building may be empty, then the shops may be empty, and then mm -hmm. the employees don't have positions to work in anymore. So, so yeah. this, this whole thing has been, yeah, well, while the while the the health issue has been catastrophic, certainly, I, you know, I, I think you could argue from an economic standpoint, it's been even more catastrophic because it's it's going to lead to the upheaval of so many you know people's lives and their very existences. Oh, very much. I mean, I did an economics degree, and at the end of four years, the the lecturer came out and said, "Well, the only thing you really have to worry about is employment." If people are gainfully employed, they will spend money and that will keep the economy ticking over. If you're unemployed, first thing you do is stop spending money. So if, if, if you lose your job tomorrow, go, we're not going out for coffee. Uh -huh. 
we're buying the milk. We're putting the pot, you know, espresso. <laughs> right, right, right. Nescafe, get the jar out. We, <laughs> all those things that will trickle down. We're not going on that trip to see grandma. We're going to mm -hmm. ring her. So you don't need petrol. So you don't need two cars. It, it all, all just comes to a grinding halt. And yeah. I think, and again, for my, that, to, that's, uh, that's sort of for my job. That's what we write about every day, which is all big doom and gloom. But at the same token, the fun part to write about is how warehouses are going gangbusters. The old humble shed has, has taken on a life of its own because everyone has to store stuff. Mm -hmm. Everything you buy overseas, everything you buy on the internet. So that's a very Australian expression. Everything we buy overseas <laughs> because we do. <laughs> Because we don't manufacture much here anymore. We don't. We don't do as much as we used to here. So I, I, I can completely yes. emphasize with you there. Yes. Yes. Um, so everything goes into a warehouse. We one purchases online. Like the, those Amazon fulfillment centers, mm -hmm. they're like mega cities. Yeah. Massive yeah. things. Yeah, um, I've, I've got a couple things that are supposed to be coming today. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff. Isn't Jeff Bezos said I thank to every I thank you every Amazon person, <laughs> send him into space. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that went down well. <laughs> so I wanted yeah, to. So anyway, that's no, that's okay. I kind of wanted to to wrap this up with a couple <laughs> questions that are not necessarily related to to footy or to you know to anything, but uh, just some kind of like you know personal things, you know, advice or that sort of thing. So, yeah, these are some of the questions that I ask to a lot of the, the, the guests that I have on. So um, do you consider yourself a bit of a movie buff at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, quite okay. a lot of movies, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. What, what, are, what are like two or three movies that you think everybody should see? The right stuff. Sticking with the well, Jeff Bezos theme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I love the right stuff. I think it's a it's a movie of just I love Dominic Don anyway Dominic Don, but it was just it's just, I love I love space. I think it's just a it's a concept of of you know going out to the final frontier. I guess you mm -hmm. know apart from like the Star Wars, I just resonated with the movie. I just loved. When I went to Washington, the Smithsonian, I just spent hours just looking at the Smithsonian. I loved it. But just the concept of going to space, I think it was fascinating. Yeah. But I think the right stuff was just the – and the story of Chuck Yeager, which maybe it's a bit of an Aussie thing of the of the underdog, but he was one of those, the unsung hero of it all. And John Glenn, who, who sort of – who and I think too it resonates in that they flew over here a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And um, the so, you know, if I can chime in here real quick, John Glenn was a United States senator from the state of Ohio for, for many years as well. Then, yep, exactly. Yes, I was in actually in New York when he took off on his um on his last flight. He went up to space mm -hmm. in the shuttle. Yeah. Cool. I've got I got the fly. I was I was in coming back from a conference, and I was at LA Airport watching it on the telly. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, but um, no, I, I love that movie. I just thought the whole thing 
and they flew over and his um, heat shield came off and he flew mm-hmm. over Australia and they did the big corroboree, which is probably quite true. And that's why Perth's called the City of Lights because all the lights came on to wish him well. Oh, very course, cool. As he, as I, I didn't know came. that. Yeah, so we – and, of course, we also have the moon landing, which we were – which, you know, Parks, the Parks mm-hmm. Telescope. It's a wonderful movie called The Dish. If you haven't seen it, oh, that's a I have not. Uh-uh. You've got to watch that, the best movie, The Dish. Okay, cool. And that's about how the Parks Telescope took the um, the, uh, the from the moon landing. Terrific. And okay. tele- televised it to the rest of the world. Uh, see, that's one that I've not heard of before. So that's a oh, that's that's a must. That's a must watch. The okay. Dish. And that's a true story because we we had there was wind. Well, unless it's not a true we, story. We, it's not a true story unless you go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, it's not a true story if you think there's a, uh, the moon landing was faked, which I don't, but. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Get your tin hat on, Greg. Where's the tin hat? (laughs) Hang on. It's not, it's not fake. (laughs) That's not a a maggot cap, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a a Trump cap. (laughs) No, no, no. Capricorn One, actually, if you watch Capricorn One with OJ Simpson. I haven't seen a whole lot with O.J. Simpson lately. Oh, yes. no, no, I think that's his one and only minute. That, that will freak out the conspiracy theorists <laughs> because it it proves it. Well, it was a movie about them not landing on the moon. Oh, okay. Cool. And so, yeah, so Capricorn, not my favourite. So I would say The Dish, obviously the right stuff. Okay. The Dish. And, um, oh. Gosh, there's too many great movies. Um, I don't know. There's there's another one. Well, you mentioned yeah, you, know, you mentioned Capricorn One. We can certainly that could oh, be our, that could be our one, third. But I don't want to be associated by believing it. <laughs> it's rubbish. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's a rubbish movie. <laughs> well, it's it's a conspiracy theory movie. Yeah. Um, there's a wonderful movie, Australian movie called The Castle. Which is a okay. great movie. Um, the castle, the castle, the castle. All right. Uh, so. Anyway. Okay, all so the, all the old ones, Gone with the Wind, of course. I guess if I was on a deserted island, I'd like a long one, like Gone with the Wind, because you you can go off and get a coconut and come back. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Is still burning. Okay, so <laughs> uh, let's say that uh, Sydney's going to be opening up here very soon. And uh, you know, knock on wood. And they they announce to you <laughs> that they're going to be um, <clears throat> that they're going to put you in charge of the first music festival <gasps> in oh. Sydney. So, oh. what what three bands or artists are going to be playing at your music festival? Oh, I'm not a very musical person. Um, what three? Oh. Should have my friend Jane here. Um, I'm not a very musically <clears throat> person. Um, I like bands. I just I, I know I only know the old ones. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, I would say Crowded House, even though they're Kiwis. Okay. It's a bit Pavlova, Russell Crowe. When they're good, we take them as Aussies. When they're bad, they're Kiwis. 
Okay. <laughs> but even though Crowded House is a good Kiwi band. Um, well, uh, you can't go past John Farnham and The Voice. It's, okay. It's the anthem in Australia. Again, you've got to Google this. John Farnham. John Farnham. Okay. F-A-R-N-H-A-M. It's a bit of one of those um, American pie at the end of the night when you're leaving the pub. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, goodness me. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Something like the the um, theme song of the University of um, um, oh sorry the um, cheer cheer the red and white <laughs> there you go well that's that works that, 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 that University of Notre Dame's theme song mm -hmm. okay that works goes na 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 so I, I'm not very good on music I don't listen to it a lot that's okay so. that's okay we've got Two, two more questions for you here before we wrap yeah, up. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I might ask you one, one third one just as we're, as we're closing up though here. Uh, if you were in a room with all of the people that you have ever met and all the people you've ever known and you walk into that room, who are you going to look for first? I would like to look to my grandpa, my grandfather. Okay. And uh, ask him what he thinks about the modern game of footy. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> I think, uh, I think you know. Again, meet your idol, and it's always disappointing. Um, I think, uh, yeah. So, Grandpa, I would seek him out. Okay. And because um, I was only ten when he passed away, so yeah. I, you know, and and he was always seemed grumpy to me. But he... <laughs> but you know, you're looking, yeah you were fortunate enough to, to live in the same community with him. Right. So that was, yes. yeah. So that is a yes. huge bonus. You know, that's, that's one thing that, uh, you know, my sister and I, you know, we had the benefit of that. I mean, in fact, I, the street that I live on is one street over from where my grandparents lived. You know, they, they lived one block oh, over from where I lived. So, oh, wonderful. so yes. yeah, but yes. both sets were here and, uh, fantastic. The last, the last question I have for you here, when, when you sit down as a journalist and you, you sit down at your keyboard and you write your autobiography, oh, what's it going to be called? Oh, I'm on to that. Okay. That's what I say to every dumb, every barking mad, stupid idea editor says to me. Hey, CC, why don't you go and do that? And I go, hey, that's a great idea. I'm onto that. <laughs> so have you been... <laughs> I completely forget it, yeah. it 10, 10 seconds later. <laughs> have you compiled a list of those things? Because uh, it might make maybe. a good book. Yeah, yeah. well, probably yeah, one day. They say there's a book in all of us. <laughs> yes, there you go. Okay, well, last thing I'm going to ask you here, and then we'll close this out. Uh, does Buddy get a 1,000 goals this year? <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I'm, I'm crossing. You can't see me. I'm, oh, I'm crossing. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, mm, mm, no. Five games, uh, nineteen goals. Uh, look, it's doable. Well, okay. You know what? It's Five very, games very... and finals. Still have finals yet. Okay. Hopefully. If, if we get the finals, um, it's doable. It is definitely doable. Um, 
However, I was at the 2012, 2013, 20, when we went, 2014 granny. Buddy hit the goal, Buddy hit the um, 2012, beg your pardon, uh -huh. 2012 granny. I was sitting there in the boondocks of the MCG members because I got a, a, a allocated seat in the ballot. I was literally four rows from the back of the MCG members stand, which is like really insect looking <laughs> high power binocular. But Those remember, days. remember, it's 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 a better game to watch live. Uh, it, it was. It was, still, <laughs> it was still good. It was still good. And and I was sitting surrounded by very Melbourne people who were looking down on me because uh -huh. we were playing Hawthorne, of course. And um, I was festooned in red and white. And this bloke kept looking at me because we, as members of the MCG, you get quite a nice little badge. Mm -hmm. And he kept looking at my badge as if I'd stolen it from my father. You know, like he was, how dare this woman to remember? And um, Buddy hit the behind post and went mm -hmm. slumped. And this guy turned around to me and said, you've won this. I said, I know. <laughs> and, then he, and then when we won it, he said, he's all yours. <laughs> Because <laughs> he joined the Swans at next year. Right, right. Now, was that, and you know, was that, was that something that was already in the works? Did you kind of know that that was uh, going to be happening no, at I, that point I, in time? No, I, no, 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 nobody knew. Andrew Pridham is the most poker-faced man on the planet. He, nobody knew. There were there were rumours, but mm -hmm. nobody, uh, nobody knew. I think Buddy was trying to get out of Melbourne because. Melbourne's a fishbowl right, for right. their players. And Sydney, the thing again with Sydney is apart from the weather and every other bit of competition you have for going to an AFL game, if it's a blisteringly gorgeous day, I say to friends, go watch the footy. And they go, what are you, mad? We're going to the beach. We're going to the pub. You know, <laughs> what do I want to watch AFL for, you stupid? And so to to get people in there, and no one cared about it, but Buddy, to come out of, so Buddy could walk around Sydney pretty much unknown-ish. Mm -hmm. he, I've seen him in my local street here, and he's married to a very gorgeous girl, Jacinta, and I did see them one day walking down my little main street here, and I actually was walking up thinking, God, those people are tall. God, they're tall. <laughs> And then they had the really fluffy, silly dog, like a really stupid dog. Like, you know, as we call it here, Paris Hilton dog. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. And I was looking and I, I, my sight's not the best. And as I got closer, I thought, why would you have such a stupid dog? And then I looked at Jacinta and I thought, God, my God, Jesus. And as I got closer and closer, I'm sort of going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And it was only me. Yeah, yeah. Literally, it was a Sunday afternoon where I live. It's quiet, and I kind of walked past Cooley, looking wobbly mm -hmm. knees, and I thought, "Where's my phone when I need it?" Yeah, <laughs> but then it'd be too paparazzi. Right, right. But that's <laughs> and, uh... and I and 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 so I kind of thought, "Oh, that's Buddy Franklin and yeah. Jacinta and a really stupid dog." <laughs> <laughs> And so I actually texted Andrew Pridham and I said, I've just seen Buddy. Are the rumours true? And Andrew's a merchant banker and I've known him for years. Mm -hmm. And Andrew said, as if I'm going to comment on that, that 
text. And he came back going, as if I'm going to comment. Yeah. I said, you know me better, as if I'm going to comment. Oh, so this so was... So this was, that was this yes. was after the grand final and before he had joined yes. Sydney. He yes. was he was visiting Sydney. Wow. So yes. so you in a way you, you kind of uh, had a little I, bit of a scoop, but you didn't have a, a confirmation scoop. of it. No, exactly. Wow. Fact, I, yeah. So I, this could have been a bit earlier, I think, actually, because yeah. I kind of and I remember at the time thinking, oh, what's weird? Because there was he did meet Jacinta at the Melbourne Cup, and it was all over the papers. Mm-hmm. More, more in Melbourne than Sydney again. But unfortunately, when he came to Sydney, there were issues, and he rolled his car and took out five other cars at the same time, and wasn't his best entry into Sydney. And there were sort of things surrounding suggestions surrounding it all, but we won't go into that. Um, and then he, you know, had his mental health issue, which he did have mental health issues. Um, but he's he's back on the right track, and it's brilliant. And I think the good thing about the Swans, predominantly the team, Buddy, because he's six foot bazillion tall. Yeah, I've actually met him. I'm five foot two, and I come up to just under his elbow. I have a photo <laughs> of me and Buddy, and he's literally his arms around me, and he's yeah. on his elbow. Um. And Isaac Heaney, because he's on the posters. Right, right. But I would say 99, 90% of the Swannies could walk down the street and I would know who they are. And that's, kind of, Melbourne, that's kind of a good thing. Which they love, which they love. Yeah. Whereas Sydney, Melbourne, Melbourne, Perth and Adelaide, it's just AFL focused mm-hmm. and they can't do anything. That, that's, that was the downfall of poor old Ben Cousins, amongst other things. Yeah. But Ben was so big in Perth uh-huh. that he, he couldn't do anything without 50 people surrounding him at any given point and egging him on, you know. Oh, come on, yeah. come on, Ben. Kick a footy to me. Mate, I'm having a coffee. Oh, you you know, you're an idiot. We hate yeah. you, Ben. You know? And Barry Hall was the same up here in Sydney. Big Bad Barry, who's another great player. Well, it's, uh-huh. it's interesting because... You know, some of the people that I talk to that are Geelong supporters say yeah, that yeah. say that in many ways that the Geelong is is a really good situation for players because it's it's out of that fishbowl, and that you know while the while the cat supporters are, um, while the yeah, cats players are there, yeah, while the cats players are there, um, you know the people see them but they kind of just let them be. They don't you know that's not uh, they're not necessarily. Um, you know, in their face or that sort of thing, because they're so in, they're so in, intertwined with the community already. So. Well, that that's that's now. I think when, um, but uh, yes, I think that's the issue. All of those big players, Geelong, Gary Ablett Senior had had this issue. He could not go anywhere without being a mini celebrity mm-hmm. in his heyday, and. Really, it was really when the, the sort of they monetized and corporatized footy that people like Gary Ablett Jr. could be a bit more protected because mm-hmm. they sort of had people to go and get them coffee and they were, they were in a bubble a little bit more because they couldn't be normal people because people 
in a small community like Geelong, they go to the local supermarket and they would get harangued by somebody going, mate, three quarter time, you kicked it to the wrong person. What were you thinking? Yeah. And who wants to go to the local supermarket and get your worst issues played back at you? Right, right. And I, this is the thing with sports people. I think that's why they do have mental health issues is that they they go to the office every day and all their faults are there for millions to see. Mm-hmm. You you go to work and you might get a name wrong. They go, oh, Mr. Wessels. And you go, oh, sorry, oh, yes. I, mean, I, you know, I, I get, do I get mean, names wrong, yes. Yes, yeah. You know, and you might talk, and you go, oh, Mr. Wessels, it's Washington. It's not Roosevelt. And you yeah. go, oh, yes, you know, I met Washington. <laughs> But you've got 50 million people going, it's Washington, you idiot. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, that, you know, and that's hard for a 20-year-old to comprehend, really. That's a really good point. And it's, uh, uh, it is a, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, the, the athletes in the AFL that while they do earn a very decent living, mm. you know, they, they, they have not, you know, they've not necessarily, most of them have not priced themselves out of interacting with the rest of society. Yes, you know, it's, exactly. it's like, it, I, I, I've said that, you know, I've said before, I said, you know, some, you're, you're not going to run into Le, LeBron James at Seven Eleven because he forgot to pick up a gallon of milk on the way home from the, from the basketball game. Totally, he's got yeah. people to do that. Exactly. Right, exactly. But you, yeah. you, you might run into, you know, you might run into, you know, the, the guy who was the, uh, the, um, the emergency, the medical sub on your team might have to stop by and pick up, you know, a box of cornflakes, you know, yeah. on his way home. So he's got breakfast tomorrow morning. Yeah, you yeah. might see yeah. that person. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I think, I think, the thing with the uh, with again and there's another aside to all this Paul Ruse who was mm-hmm. brilliant play played for Fitzroy in Melbourne oh I'm, I'm, I'm very you well know, well aware of him he know, and I, he and I were born on the same day oh was he well he's married he's married to an American and he brought football to UCLA where his wife worked mm-hmm. and um and sort of he kicked off a bit of the Aussie America AFL. He's got great books out, Ruzi, um, on on footy and everything. He's got a great autobiography on um, um, again Google books like that. But Ruzi's got some good books out as well. But he but he was a great player and became the coach mm-hmm. of of the Swans, and really took it to another level because he could see when he took over that the money was rolling in, that it wasn't just a game you played on the weekend. It was, it was a career. Mm -hmm. And he saw all these younger players that had nothing more that they could play footy. I mean, bear in mind the world over and and tell me when I'm talking too much, but no, you're fine. the The world over is, if you're if you're a great sports person, you're pinged at ten, pretty much in any field of sport. You're you're noticed at about ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're a great high jumper or a great gymnastic or a great NFL player or something, people will pick you up at the local sports at school. 
you know your you, you might have in your your school you know your sports no captain, you're right you're right you know we'll sit around in the, in the in the teacher's room going you know this kid he could play for the Cincinnati Reds or, mm-hmm. you know, and they're nurtured and then the the talent scout gets to them what's that movie the the um Sandra Bullock one you know the um oh um the blind side the blind side you mm-hmm. know um there there's there there's talent scouts the world over AFL cricket the war brothers who played for cricket Steve War and Mark War played for in in um Bankstown in Sydney out in the west they were 10 they're twins they were 10 and the sports captain of their club said to rang up cricket australia and said i've got these twins they can play these kids can play so they went out there watched them play and the this talent scout from the australian cricket association went over to mr and mrs war and said you know one, Steve's going to captain Australia and Mark was going to open for Australia. They were 10. Mm-hmm. That was their talent, the sheer talent of them. For the Swans, Callum Mills played for the Mossman Swans where I live, in Mossman here. I saw him play when he was 10. And my nephew, well, my godson was playing. They were all like under 10s, flipping around and falling over like a soccer game kind of thing. Normal Saturday, Normal Sunday, real freezing cold midwinter and I was with my cousin we were going oh god you Harry yes you got the ball uh we had the ball Harry (laughs) oh you're playing well Harry (laughs) and this this kid he was marking it he was handballing it he Mm -hmm. was playing Callum Mills Mm -hmm. not Callum there's an ad in Australia called Callum Murray but (laughs) but Callum Mills and he's now Callum Mills Number right. 14, you know, he's yeah. got number 14 on his back, which is a big number. So, and that was, so these these kids are told at 10 that they're going to, they're brilliant and they're nurtured and they're everything else. So they hit they hit the big time, but they're numb knuckles because they don't have to go to school. They really don't have to learn anything because they know the cash is going to flow into them. They get, you, you, you give them homework, they go, oh, yeah, thanks, Mr. Wessels. You know, but I've got to practice sport, and so you, you you help them through to get them through school. But Paul Ruse got there and he said to them all, "Okay, you can all play footy. You're all good. But what do you do if you do your knee at twenty and you're gone? You all have to have a career." Smart man. Very smart. So he forced all of the Swans players all go to some form of school, by the you know TAFE or like they do an apprenticeship, perhaps as a plumber. Um, I think Rampy's done an MBA. Kieran Jack's got a, he's done a doctorate. He's done an MBA, Kieran Jack. Wow. They, they all have careers, hand mm-hmm. them to their footy. So if something terribly wrong goes, happens, that, you know, AFL is a very unforgiving sport on knees. Right, right. And, and shoulders and things. So Paul Roos said, it's not all about footy. So mm-hmm. he was kind of the first to say, you've got to get your mental health right. You can't train 24-7. Because 
I, I met Paul Kelly, who's a brilliant player in back in the day for the Swans. He's a fantastic player. Again, I watch him every day. He's a lovely bloke, but he was so taut because all he did was train. So he's constantly doing his hamstring and he bent down to pick the ball up. He trying a hamstring because uh-huh. he was too taut and he you know, there's life after footy. Uh-huh. AFL has a lifespan of like you pretty much you're 35. It's a good that's a good innings. Yeah, it's a good career. Yeah, yeah, so, they're, they're, yeah. They're 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 play, You know, David Mun. They're planning services for somebody like you know, uh, Mr. Mundy out there with <clears throat> with Fremantle, who's you know 35 or you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's, and that's and you know that's that's it's a it's a very hard game. Mm-hmm. It's running half a marathon every every game. Right. Well, you know, people are trying to a, knock you on your butt. Yeah, exactly. It is the only game in the world where you can crawl up somebody's back and make, make a mark and get a point, mm-hmm. but you cannot push them in the back to get them out of the way. That's yes. a penalty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mentioned, you know, and we'll, we'll wrap up after this because it's, you know, it's, it's after 11 there, your time. Um, but uh, you mentioned the 10-year-olds and identifying that. And I'm just, as you're talking about that, I'm sitting here thinking about uh, when my son was, uh, was that age, he was, you know, a friend of mine and I, and actually there were three of us that were coaching. We had a, a, uh, a travel baseball team like, that, that went and played at like high-end tournaments around the area. You know, we were, not a, yeah. we were not a great team. We were a pretty good team, but we were not a great team. But I'm just running through that list of kids that are on that team. And we had, I think we had 14 players and four of them went on to play baseball in college. Which is fantastic. And, and one of them is playing professionally. Wow. So yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So. I think you're born with it. If you're born with that talent, you're born with it. Yeah. Like, uh, like tennis players, mm-hmm. whatever. You, you're luckily good on them, half their luck. But I, and I think that's the thing. AFL now, there are so many good players, but you've got to nurture them. But you've also to nurture their mental health. And and life after the game, they all can't be commentators. That's, you know, a, only, great, you know, that's a great yeah. point because yeah, I was wondering, you know, when when Clarko steps down, you know, you know, what, yeah. what is he going to? Because I, all the interviews I've watched, he's not exactly the most outgoing no. uh, inter- interviewee. So I don't think he's going to be somebody that's going to be doing you know color commentary during a game. No, exactly, exactly. And I think that's the that you know that's what you've got to. The tragedy of AFL too, they spit a lot of people out. But you've, you know, I think as a young player, like as, as you say, young journo, you you sort of got to look to the future as well. And and I think that so Paul Roos really did kick that off for a lot of the players. So I, you know, can only hope that um, you know, I don't know where people like Clark. I mean, Bomber Thompson went a bit pear shaped as well. Your your coach. You know, he was a brilliant coach, but mm-hmm. um, I think that's a problem. They, um, you know, they don't know what to do with themselves afterwards. So, but the good thing is that's, so that's what the Swans do. They keep a low profile and they um, all sort of have other things to do out, out off the field as much as on the field. And 
and and that's another thing about AFL is it's 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 such a good game because there's so much on the field mm-hmm. that you don't have much like off the field like the soccer hooligans of the UK. So right, speak. right. Soccer, there's nothing happening on the field because they're boring. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, I am not a big soccer fan, so you're you're, oh, okay. you're certainly not offending me at all. Oh, good. Yes. It just goes on. And so you get bored in the stand, so you get drunk, and it just all escalates. Whereas AFL, a live game, like you'd say, oh, CC, it's your shout. And you go, oh, Craig, hang on. Yeah, it's that's five minutes. Yeah, I've I've never had anybody mention soccer that way before. I and I and people who listen to the show are going to hear this again because I joke about soccer being a communist sport because they don't let you use all of your body parts. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah. Hands off. Hands off. Exactly. Exactly. So. We're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up there. Um, ladies and gents, I, I would absolutely love to thank my guest, Carolyn Cummings, for coming on today for this, uh, for this talk. We went down a lot of, you know, I think very interesting avenues. Um, you know, it's, this, has been, this has been a whole lot of fun. I loved your insight about the game. I, I truly appreciate your insight about your, your career in journalism. Uh, you know, I... I'm not a journalist, you know. I do a I do a, a little podcast that gets you know, a, a hundred or hundred and fifty people listening to each episode. So it's you know it's uh it's 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 getting there, but it's it's not quite you know where I'd like it to be. But I I truly thank you for taking time out of your evening here to to sit down and uh and you know chat with oh. me about some footy and about the swans and. It's been an absolute pleasure, Craig. No, it's been a highlight, I have to say. It's been wonderful. I've been following you on Twitter and and your compatriots in in America, and uh, it's just so lovely to get our wonderful little game out to the rest of the world. And we're doing our best to to try to do that. As I I tell folks, I said, this this is, uh, I I use this podcast as kind of a, uh, as kind of like a bell tower to kind of ring it and say, hey, people, you should come check out this game. Yeah, you know, oh, if, if you're if you're not doing it, so fantastic. That, was, that this was you know truly appreciated. I thank you so much for for coming on today. Oh, it's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. All right, a big thanks to Carolyn Cummins for coming on the podcast. It was a great to talk to her. She's somebody that I I do trade notes with on uh, Twitter quite frequently. Uh, she's been very receptive to a relatively new footy fan wanting to talk about the game and, and ask questions. And it's, it's, it was absolutely fabulous to talk to her a lot of fun. uh, And uh, it was, it was great learning about how things related to becoming a a member of the MCC actually work. That was, that was extraordinarily interesting. Now don't forget folks that you can find, as I'd mentioned before, everything related to the podcast at my website, a yank on the footy.com. I hope you'll consider checking it out. Remember, you can leave a voicemail there. You can share review, your views on an issue. Uh, you can get signed up on the uh, mailing list as well as getting on the uh, guest intake if you want to become a guest. If you want to help out the show, you can go to the Buy Me a Coffee pages I'd mentioned as well. Uh, remember that all of the episodes are located there. You can find them also, um, most of them on my YouTube channel. I've started to update that a little bit as well. Just look out, look for my name, Craig Wessels. 
And now that you've listened, I hope you'll consider leaving me a five-star review on your favorite podcast hosting site. Don't forget that you can, of course, reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. If you need to shoot me an email, if you want to uh, reach out to me on Twitter at yank underscore on or on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. And like I said, you can also uh, get signed up for the mailing list there. So when a new episode comes out, you get it before anybody else. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening, because while we're fans of our clubs, we're through the first round of finals. I'm a little despondent about what happened. Uh, Great game by Port Adelaide. Melbourne, you played a fantastic game as well. GWS and Sydney, that might have been the game of of the year. Swans, you you put up one hell of a, a fight at the end there, and it just just so many opportunities that just kind of frittered away from you. You, you can't hang your head because you did everything you possibly could to win that game. And it was a very impressive effort on your part. And Bulldogs, you, you played well again. And it's just, it's, it's great to see the, the Bulldogs moving on. Um, I hope you'll consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Just drop the, uh, the link uh, in an email or post it on your social media. That would be absolutely fantastic. Now, ladies and gentlemen, As always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 102 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at A Yank on the Footy or on my website at yankonthefooty.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you'll share the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>